This morning, I want to share with you a re-entry from our journey of understanding. I would like for us as a local church to really realize how unique it is that we just sent five people to the Middle East. So, Katie, where are you, Katie? Where'd you go? I saw you earlier. There you are. Would you like to stand up? Stand up, Katie. You know, Katie never lost this smile on her face the whole time. Every time I looked at her, didn't matter where we were, there was this beam. Just beaming, beaming. I mean, even when we're in Hebron, horrible situation, it's a flood. It's like a hill country downpour. This is what she's looking like. She's smiling as we're trying to stay out of this flood water. So thank, stay standing. Don't sit down. Steve, Mary Ann, please stand up. Uh, Steve and Mary Ann, uh, lead these trips. And then Susan, if you'd stand up. So these five people uh, represented our community in going on a journey of understanding. Okay, please have, have a seat. And what that means is uh, that I think those of us that read the Bible, we realize that the events of the Bible primarily happened in a land called Israel and the Palestinian territories. And for most of us, at some point we think, well, I'll go on a pilgrimage. I'll go see the place, which we did. We went to the place, but more than the place are the people that live in the place. And so what a journey of understanding is, it's the opportunity from people for us to go to Jerusalem see some sites, but listen to people. And so we schedule people to tell us their story. So we want to listen. There is an Israeli story, an Israeli narrative. We want to hear that. We want to listen to that. Then we want to cross over through checkpoints, through cement fences, into a place called Bethlehem, the birthplace of Jesus. And we we want to listen to the stories of Palestinians. And we want to, well, they have a narrative too. And they're not the same. The story's not the same, but we want to listen. And this time we extended that stay by, by attending a conference, Christ at the Checkpoint, which I'll tell you a little bit more about. And then from there we go up to Galilee. Galilee is, is it's, it's out of, there's a lot of religion around Jerusalem, as you could imagine. So you kind of get out away, uh, out from underneath kind of the heavy religion of Jerusalem. And you just kind of say, you know, what do we just hear? Uh, and how can we, as people following Jesus, not pick a side, but be reconcilers, which is really a challenge. So these five folks, along with others, went on this journey. And over um, the next month or so, we have all kinds of stories to tell. This morning, we were going to have Katie and Susan start out by telling stories, but just it, sometimes it takes a lot just to kind of, kind of work through that. So I'm pitch hitting. I'm going to just kind of touch a little bit of our, I'm going to kind of introduce the whole of all of us telling stories this morning. But I'm just really, really thankful that we got to go on this journey together. And I would like for our whole community to begin to have a sense of we did this together. It wasn't just five of us went. We did this together. We're learning something together that's really, really valuable and really extremely beneficial, not just for us as a local church, but really for our world. 
Uh, so I just want to take time to thank everybody that went. I want to thank the community that supported us and prayed for us. And I want to also thank those that helped uh, keep things running, that served in leadership ways while we were gone. And, and now it's really down to there's just this hard work of reentry. And words don't really describe what that's like. So I picked out a video that I think helps describe uh, as you watch it. Now, let me give just a little forewarning. There's some mild profanity in this. But you have to realize, I just traveled 15,000 miles. The last journey back was 36 hours. I got home feeling good. Then a flu bug hit me, put me flat on my back. And if you wouldn't have a little profanity from all of that, I don't know, you wouldn't be normal. So I don't usually show videos that have a little mild profanity in it. So, but it really kind of fits where I am. I'm kind of a little raw, okay? And, and so just enjoy the video, and then I'll come back and uh, share with you a few words.
That's what it feels like. You know, it, as you re-enter, it's especially from the Middle East. The Middle East is a very unique place. All of you know that. But for some reason, when you come back from that kind of a journey, it, it, feel, it feels like you're just this solo freefall. And you, and you don't know, you know, you're gonna, you, if you push the wrong button, you're going to self-destruct. I mean, it, it, it feels like that. And it feels really hot. And then you wonder, gosh, are we really going to survive uh, coming back from this? But the whole, the whole thing, there is this message. There's a message that was deposited in all of us. And we really want to get it out, but it's really difficult to do that. So what I thought I would do is, uh, this morning, rather than me kind of, un- I'm, I'm not quite ready to unpack the things that, kind of my part of the story. And I, and I really know that all of it, we all, we all have more than you want to hear, truthfully. So, you know, be patient with us, and then each of us will have an opportunity to tell a part of the story. But what I want to do this morning is I want to go back. We're, we are journeying through Acts, and, and it's really fun for me, from my vantage point, as I journey to England and then come home, and I journey to the Middle East and I come home, to begin to see some parallels that I would not have seen before. So I want to take us back to Acts chapter 14. I just want to read the paragraph, and I want to kind of walk through that, and I want to connect it with the journey that we just uh, traveled through. Paul and Barnabas are on the first missionary journey, and they got to Iconium, and they went, as they always did, to the meeting place of the Jews, and they gave their message. The message convinced both Jews and non-Jews, and not just a few, a lot. But the unbelieving Jews worked up a whispering campaign against Paul and Barnabas, sowing mistrust and suspicion in the minds of the people in the street. The two apostles were there a long time, speaking freely, openly, and confidently as they presented the clear evidence of God's gifts, God collaborating their work with miracles and wonders. But then there was a split in public opinion, some siding with the Jews, some with the apostles, One day, learning that both the Jews and non-Jews had been organized by their leaders to beat them up, they escaped as best they could to the next towns, Lyconium, Lystra, Derby, and that neighborhood. But then they were right back at it again, getting out the message. As you read that account of Paul and Barnabas being in Asia Minor, and as I think about our journey the constant in that is there is the announcement of a message. We, like Paul and Barnabas, have been entrusted with a message. And we are to deliver that message to our neighbors and to the nations. And the message is rather simple. It's simply this. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the king that was promised by the Old Testament prophets. He is that one. And he's arrived. And with his arrival, 
is the arrival of his kingdom. That's the message. Now, you and I need to hear that message, and I want to keep repeating that message, and then we get to, as a community of people, begin to live that out. What, what is it like for you and I to say with our mouth, Jesus, you're our king. And Jesus, because you're our king, we want you to influence us with the dignity and the power of your rule. And we want you to do that now. We don't want to just wait till later. We want you to begin to do that now. Let your kingdom come now. Influence us now. Establish your kingdom here. And then how do you then send us out into our neighborhood and out into the nations of the world to announce that message and then to see the kingdom come in all the ways that it can come? Did you notice that it didn't matter the place? It didn't matter what city Paul and Barnabas were in? They announced the same message. It didn't, ma- it didn't matter the, the audience, whether they were at the synagogue, which is where they started, or they went out into the streets with the Gentiles, the Greek world. It was the same message. Jesus is the Messiah. The king has arrived and his kingdom has arrived with him. It didn't, ma- it didn't matter what the reception was. Sometimes people believed. There were lots of people that believed, but then there was opposition. There were people that were disobedient, chose not to believe. No way. Jesus can't be that promised king. No way. We have, a, we have a whole other idea of who that promised king is supposed to be and no way that kingdom could be here now because that kingdom is supposed to look like this. No, we don't believe it. But it didn't stop Paul and Barnabas from announcing that message. And so I, I think that's, that's got to be our constant. The thing that is constant in all of our lives is this message Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the king who has arrived. And with him, the kingdom has arrived. And that is our hope. That's the only hope that we can have. Because through, through him and through his rule, the things that are wrong in our lives, the things that are wrong in our community, the things that are wrong in this world, they will be set right. And that process of things being set right has begun. Not done, not by any stretch of the imagination. Our world won't be perfected, but things can begin to improve. But it has everything to do with you and me. Do we really believe that? Do we really believe that Jesus has come so that things on the earth could begin to change for the better? Do we really believe that? Think of your own life. Has your life improved since you've known Jesus? I hope so. It seems that he improves our life. He doesn't make our life worse, right? And so if he's, if he's improving our life, wouldn't it make sense that if he does that in our lives, if he does that in our families, that he'd also want to do that among the nations? And so that someday when he returns, he'll perfect it. And things will be set right that went horribly wrong, beginning with Adam and Eve. There is a God who set himself to set things right. Enough. Enough. Getting the message out. That's the constant. And it's a message for everyone. 
going again to the to the Middle East, you know, you 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 see Israel, Jewish, you see Palestine, Christian, and Muslim. Within the Jewish community in Israel, there is a small messianic community, ten to twelve thousand of the a six million Jews living in the land are messianic. Um, so you've got this combination of people. But the message of Paul and Barnabas is not a different message for the Jew than it is for the Palestinian. Whether that Palestinian is a Muslim or whether that Palestinian is in a traditional church. It's the same message. We don't have a different message. Now, it finds a different context. Within the land of Israel, there's a Judean, Judean, Judean. Get where the word comes from. Judean. Yes, there's a geographical area. Judea. There's a context of Jesus being the Messiah, of the kingdom coming. That, that's, that's a different context than going to the Arab-speaking world. That's the Palestinian territories. Different context, but same message. We're in South Texas. Different context. Not quite the same here as Jerusalem and Bethlehem. But the message is the same. Jesus is the Messiah. The king has arrived. And his kingdom is arriving. Same message. And we work it out in our context as the Jew would work it out in his context, as the Greek would work it out in his context, as the Palestinian would work it out in his context. So the church doesn't always look the same around the globe because context is different. But the message... The primary message is exactly the same. Jesus is the Messiah. The king has arrived. And his kingdom is arriving. Jews and Gentiles are both they're invited to believe. This is good. This is the best news for humanity. And we're, we're all invited to believe that. Now, beginning back in the first century, with the first announcers of the message, there's been, op- there's been opposition. Did you notice the description of that opposition to the message? Whispering campaigns. Sowing seeds of mistrust and suspicion. Those disobedient to the arrival of the king in his kingdom, stir up opposition and poison the minds of some persons against another. I'm being very literal with the words there. When Luke is writing about those that were of Jewish descent, not believing the announcement of the king and his kingdom, he really is using the word disobedient. They're being disobedient to the announcement that the, that the Messiah has arrived and his kingdom is arriving. And the worst disobedience is to not believe, to not believe this announcement. 
And then they begin, out of their disobedience, to begin to whisper, sowing seeds of suspicion. Yeah, a little slander here, a little slander there. You know what? It's no different. Chuck sent me an article which I'm really grateful that he did, uh, out of a leading magazine that mentioned the conference that we went to. And the inference from that article was that the conference we attended was anti-Semitic. little whisper. Slander, actually. It's not true. Sadly, the guy that wrote the article did not attend the conference. But he began a whispering campaign. Noel and I had a little bathroom chat. <laughs> Got to remember, this has been a really earthy week for me. So, <laughs> he, said, he said, you know, I heard it on CNN that the government of Israel came out with a statement against Christ at the Checkpoint Conference. Actually, I saw that posting too when I was in Bethlehem. I go, oh my God, what's that mean? Are we going to I mean they're going to go home? Or are we going to be, you know, they're saying here, do I? I went to Steve, Steve, do, what, do, what, do, what do we do with this, Steve? I'm like, we've got four older men, all military, you know, backgrounds. So, you know, they're going to be really upset with us if they realize that, you know, now we're on the watch list of, you know, the nation of Israel. Guess what? It was a fabrication. There wasn't an official statement by the government of Israel. Those that like to stir up opposition or those that like to poison the minds of some people against another fabricated that. See, Christ at the checkpoint is a conference about reconciliation. It's about there is a way to make peace. It is the voice of the church in the middle of the conflict saying, yes, as Palestinian believers, some of us can trace the beginning of our faith back to when Jesus was here. Yes, things have not gone well here. Yes, many of us have been treated unjustly. And yet, because of who our king is, and because his kingdom is arriving, we choose to forgive. And we believe there is a way that we can live in this land together in peace and reconciliation. That's what the conference is about. It's not anti-Semitic. It's not about denying the right of Israel to exist. It's about there's a way of peace. See, it's based upon who Jesus is. If you have an enemy, 
You've heard what the ancients said. What did the ancients say? Eye for eye. Tooth for tooth. But Jesus says what? Love your enemy. And loving your enemy may mean you even lay down your life for those that would be your enemy. That's what Christianity is about. It's not eye for eye. It's not teeth for teeth. It's not about military might. It's about the power of forgiveness. The power to love. The power of reconciliation. See, the attacks are venomous. They're personal. Some of the people that are being attacked in articles have become my friends. And I, I, you, I mean, this is probably where you just back up. Sit down, Scott. So I'm going to defend my friends. Whether no one understands that or not, I'm going to defend my friends as I would, I would defend you. If you're slandered or defamed, I'm going to defend you. Behind the attack is the deceiver. It's not, you know, the war is not against flesh and blood. It's the deceiver. And what I would like to tell you is the angels that sang over Bethlehem, the chorus that said, Peace on earth and goodwill among men upon whom God's favor rests. God's favor rests upon all of humanity. God's favor rests on the Jew. God's favor rests on the Gentile. God's favor rests on Jerusalem. God's favor rests on Bethlehem. God's favor rests on New Braunfels. This is the season of God's favor, is what Isaiah says. This is the time of salvation. So God's favor rests on all of humanity so that there can be peace and goodwill among men. And you know who the really important people are to communicate that message? Those that know the king and believe his kingdom is arriving. It's you and me. Can you hear the can you hear the song? Peace on earth. Angels sent from God to to announce the birth of the king. Peace on earth. Peace on earth. Do you hear that song? If there was any way that I had a chip, like a chip for vision, that we could like kick it, I mean, that would be it. We have got to have a vision of peace. End of war. No more. Done. Reconcile. Yes, Jesus said there would be rumors of war in war. That's true. But that's not because we're starting the wars. It's 
because humanity is still rebelling against God. But our message is not about war. It's about peace, reconciliation, justice. Do we have a vision for that? Because that's connected with this message. Our king, the prince of peace, his kingdom, setting things right. In spite of opposition, did you notice Paul and Barnabas, they just kept calm and they carried on. I'm, going, I'm, I'm bouncing back to England now, if you notice that. I don't know where I am, this hopeless wanderer. In spite of opposition, they, began to, they just continued to speak freely and fearlessly. The king has arrived. His kingdom has arrived. And they bore witness to the king and to his kingdom with words of grace. And as they did that, God just continued to confirm with signs and wonders, yes, this is the message. This is my message to the world. So as a community of people, you know, what do, what do I hope? You know, what is it that I really come back with and just in introducing a time of storytelling over the next month based upon a trip, a journey? What do I hope for? One... Uh, is that the announcement of our king and his kingdom would remain our constant. That, that would be what, that's the constant. That's, that defines who we are as a community of people. And that we would face all opposition. Because don't, don't fool yourself. There, there remains opposition to that message. That we would face all opposition with words of grace, and hopefully God would extend his hand, performing great signs and wonders that's saying, well done, keep it up. I'm with you. Don't stop. I haven't returned yet. You got stuff to do every day. Deliver my message. Announce my kingdom. Live it out. Come on. And then would you just... Be ready to listen. Would you be ready to learn uh, from five people who are your peers who are sitting in the hot seat who may not be able to express everything that they felt and everything that they've seen and they're just kind of tumbling in a capsule like coming back from outer space into our life here. Would you like to stand with me? Let's pray together. Jesus, the thing I would start with is I just want to thank you for being our king. I want to thank you for your willingness to come to come into the midst of humanity and say, here I am. And some of us have said, yes, you are. And others have said, no, you're not. Thank you for being willing to be received and to be rejected. But thank you that we're a community that says, yes, Lord, Jesus, you are the Messiah. You're the promised king. And with your arrival, your kingdom has arrived.
And it's your kingdom. It's your rule and your reign on the earth in our life that will make things better. You make the difference. And so we just invite you, influence us in all that we are as we gather together on Sunday mornings, as we go out on Sunday afternoons to live our lives as family, as we go to work on Mondays. Influence us step by step, day by day, moment by moment with your kingdom, with your rule. You want to direct us towards what is best in life. You want us to live life well. And you want us to engage with the world around us and make a positive difference. You want to improve things. So just kind of walk us down that path. Whether we are in middle school or high school, whether we're a young adult, married, single, old adult, teach us the value of announcing that you're the king and that your kingdom has arrived. And Lord, as we go about the business of delivering that message to our neighbors and the nations, do, would you please stretch out your hand? Would you do miraculous signs and wonders that confirm this is your message? Lord, Dorothy is at home today with a horrible toothache. Would you please extend your hand? Would you heal? As a way to say, yes, you're delivering the message that I want you to deliver. Lord, I know I'm still kind of on the brink of, am I well, am I not well? Would you extend your hand to me? Bring healing, Lord. Lord, would you extend your hand to anyone today that's under the weather? Heal us, Lord. Strengthen us, Lord. Or would you extend your hand to any situation where we find ourselves being treated unfairly, unjustly? Set things right, Lord. Or I think of our friends in Israel, the Palestinian territories. Extend your hand there, Lord. Set things right. Let there be peace in your name. Or do beyond what we would ever think or imagine. Because of who you are. Because of your message. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray.